Hey everybody, welcome to the Signal to Noise podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. I'm Chris Leonard. Uh, this episode is going to be a little bit different than others. This is part two of an episode we had already recorded in one shot, uh, but for a couple of logistical reasons, we actually broke it up into two pieces. So the first part, 155 part one, is with Aaron Poligian. Um, he is a corporate audio engineer. He actually used to work for me at IMS Technology Services, and we broke down... Um, uh, some of his journey at IMS, doing a lot of events we got to do together, as well as um, the roles of an A2 in corporate work. So if you haven't already listened to that portion, go check it out. Um, however, if you haven't, uh, you can still listen to this episode. You're not going to miss too much context. Um, but anyway, we have um, Sam and Kyle and I were interviewing Aaron Poligian. This portion of the episode is about his journey uh, in the last year with the United States Marine Band, which is a pretty incredible uh, position and job they get to do, and we talk about his live work, his uh, recording engineer work with the United States Marine Band. So I hope you enjoy it. So you're kind of jumping right into the middle of a conversation. I'm going to drop you in now, and thanks for hanging out. I want to make sure we spend a little bit of time on the United States Marine Band thing. So so first off, two two parts here, uh, or a couple things. One, so for people who, if they have listened before, we did have on... um, uh, the United States Army Band um, and um, Pershing's own uh, United States Army Band. Um, a lot of similarities, um, but I don't want to completely compare. Uh, the prestige, I would say, around the United States Marine Band is that it's the president's own Marine Band. So I want you to talk a little bit about what that means. Um, and then what is your air quotes day job look like right because i do do everything from recording to live shows and it's 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 a very unique feature set in terms of what you do so can you try to explain um the the band you work for and what you guys do sure so uh yeah the president's own united states marine band we're based in dc um and our job is to uh provide music for the president of the united states and the commandant of the marine corps uh, and anything they tell us to do. Uh, so also included with that ends up being a lot of educational outreach, public concerts, et cetera. Uh, but you know, the, the primary missions that we have are provide the music for the president. And, uh, a lot of times the way that looks like for, especially for the musician band members is, uh, either playing at the white house or in supportive events for the white house. Uh, it could be, Essentially, the White House has the ability to, they almost have like a menu of like, what kind of ensemble do we want for this thing? And it can be everything from like a solo harp player all the way up through a full wind band. And, you know, they they can flip through a book and be like, hey, for this, uh, it's St. Patrick's Day next week. Let's get uh, an Irish group in. So, you know, and there's uh, a folder of music for of, you know, traditional Celtic tunes. And there's an ensemble of people within our group that'll go and play it and do it. And on whatever notice or lack of notice they get. Um, so it's Insane. a really, really <laughs> versatile group of musicians. And uh, the the aim with that group, you know, the uh, is that it's musically we're hiring people and we're competitive 
with uh, you know major metropolitan symphony orchestra level musicians. Uh, you know, it's a very similar audition process to get into the president's own. Um, whereas the other fleet bands in the Marine Corps and also the other uh, the other branches have uh, a component where you know, all right, you're a musician, but then you're going to go do security. Uh, you have these other jobs that you have to do. My job, uh, you know, as a musician, because I am actually technically a musician, uh, and the other musicians within the ensemble, our job 100% of the time is being a musician for the president's own, um, which is really, really cool and affords us the ability to really do some high, high level work, which is absolutely amazing to be a part of. But you guys, your family just like go, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Well, and me too, because it's not something that I ever really expected. Uh, It was, yeah. I love that you called it a mission. Right. Your mission is, and, and I love that you explained it as like, this is, this is the way it goes. Like, and I can't believe the, the quality of musicians that you're dealing with is ridiculous. It's insane. Yeah, are they I'm all all Marine Corps members too? <laughs> yes, so are we they- are we are um we are enlisted members of the Marine Corps. Uh, the president's own specifically does not have to go to basic training. However, we do have to maintain the height and weight standards for the Marine Corps. Um, Aram so that we a look fucking Marine damn good in those yes. uniforms. Yes, he, he doesn't. Get to- <laughs> this is a Aram's a. Fuck all these other podcasts we did. <laughs> Aram's a fucking marine, bro. He doesn't get to carry ass. a gun, though. So that's the only like down. No, the, the old saying, "Every marine a rifleman," is technically not true because the uh, the members of the president's own uh, many of them are not, and we actually have on our chevrons on our uh, sleeves. We actually have a like the musical harp lyre instead of crossed rifles, which is uh, a, a an interesting bear. fun fact. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but you guys are like trained in jujitsu, and you can like You're human weapons, so you don't need one. Shit. Yes, underwater musical jujitsu. Well, yes. <laughs> How about uh, talk about the recording side? Because I feel like you guys almost do more recording than you do live. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe more. But I mean, you do a ton of like straight up just recording projects. Yeah. So the the ensembles, you know, the the ensemble that we're most known for, let's say, is the you know the big wind ensemble that uh, the ones that can play Susan marches and you know do all that kind of stuff um, and. A lot of what we do is educational outreach, especially for um, like K through 12 education. Mm. Uh, so we have a very strong program where, uh, and especially it actually got even stronger through COVID because we started doing virtual stuff. So we weren't just in the DC area anymore. Now we're doing like music in the schools programs across the country and doing like zoom meetings with a musician and then a a school, you know, a band class essentially, and they're interviewing them. And then, um, we do public concerts, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And traditionally every year, the band also records, does, uh, quote, educational recording. And that recording is something where we're doing, uh, mostly very high level, um, intense music and the it's a legit recording session mm-hmm. um and that's something that's pretty new to me because prior to prior to this job i hadn't really done much studio work much recording work much recording work or even like musical post-production 
uh, that much. And it's been really neat to learn that side of things and kind of get my hands into it. It's awesome, man. What was I, I have, that learning curve? Uh, like, like what was the biggest, what surprised you the most about like switching over into post and recording? Yeah. So the crazy thing for me, um, I had no idea how, uh, the tightly produced classical music recording world works. And um, the idea that you have a piece that you're recording and let's say it's an eight minute piece and it's broken up into sections and you'll actually do multiple takes of multiple sections. And then Frankenstein's a very crude word for it, but Frankenstein them together into a one solid clean take. And the great thing is that because of the level of these music, these musicians because of the equipment we're using in the rooms that we're in the consistency is so crazy good that when you a producer can say and you know our directors are acting as producers in that role or being the producers in that role they can say hey we're going to use take one for measures one to three of this piece and then on the downbeat of measure four we're going to jump to take two and then on beat three of measure four, we're going to jump back to take one and can cut all of that stuff together and, uh, you know, make one really, really smooth product out of it. That said, you know, where the, even the bad (laughs) takes are stellar takes, you know, like it's you, it really just becomes this, like what's 1% better. What's 2% better because we, we have the luxury of, you know, we're not paying for studio time because we are the Tax studio. Dollars at work. So we can really uh, take the time to perfect something and get a really, really fantastic product out. How long does an eight minute song take production wise? To record or to mix or just, just to be both. I mean, recording for like an eight minute piece is probably uh, it might be done in like uh, 40 to 60 minutes, uh, you know, with a little bit of time to go over stuff. And then post-production, it depends, Uh, you know, it can can vary. Uh, It's tough because a lot of it is do a bunch of edits and then send it back for review. And then, you know, everybody's busy. So it takes a little time to go. It's just like Uh, any other, you know, just like any other creative process where there's back and forth, you know, with, with a client and it's like, Hey, this is what we can do. This is what we can't do. All right. How do we get it closer to what we want right off the bat and then wrap it all up together? That's a fun process. Holy cow. That's awesome. (laughs) It's really cool. And uh, we're really lucky that we uh, have some really nice recording equipment that we get to use because it's like the primary thing that we do. Um, and including a whole what bunch console of... console you guys using? I'm sorry? What console are you guys using? All right, using? get nerdy. Come on, we got to know. You get nerdy. Yeah, get yeah nerdy. for, for yeah. straight up recording, we're actually not using consoles most of the time. We're actually going just right into interfaces into a DAW. Um, and then usually bouncing out of them uh, over Maddie into like a backup recorder. Um, so we're uh, using a lot of merging technologies at the moment, which actually runs over uh, AES67 Ravenna into our computers. Um, heard of that. And then our microphone package is a ton of like crazy um, 
Sennheiser and Sheps and uh, Neumann and all of the <laughs> all of the cool things that you can imagine, including a bunch of crazy vintage things uh, that have been around for a while. That and every once in a while you bust them out and you're like, "All right, this is pretty cool. I get to, you know, that's what we say about to play with this today." <laughs> yeah, well, you get that, to bust me out. Yeah, of vintage. You would bust. Me, yeah, this is pretty cool. Yeah, we, we yeah. <laughs> It's all the crazy break me out of the case. Yeah. Yeah, man. Dude, that has to be amazing. So when you go out and you take a console with you to do a show somewhere, mm -hmm. do you do you choose your desk? Like do you have the show set up when you go? Yeah. So uh so yeah, we do a fair amount of public concerts, especially uh with like our main orchestra and wind ensemble, and then during the summer, some of our other like jazz ensemble, that kind of stuff. Uh so the challenge of it is that all of our decisions are repertoire driven. So we get scores for the pieces that are going to be performed. And we actually, all of the rehearsals get recorded and uploaded to our archive. So the musicians can go back and listen to the rehearsal. And also so that we can be there and be like, okay, what are our needs for this? What are the, what are any specialty recording needs? You know, if there's a solo that needs to be caught or something like that, or, you know, uh, and also, are there any reinforcement needs? You know, a lot of times we're in these very traditional concert halls uh, where typically you're going to not want to reinforce something, but some of the music kind of demands it. And mm. you uh, you have to give something a little bit of a lift to make sure that, you know, it's uh, going to be heard over the other stuff going on. So we make all those kinds Fine. of decisions in the week leading up to a concert. And then uh, usually we'll throw together our consoles. And, and right now we're using uh, Yamaha boards. Uh, and uh, partly because it's something familiar and extremely reliable to us. And um, we'll throw a board file together with our inputs and broadly what we expect from it. And then patch as much as we can uh within like our racks and everything and get get everything as good and as ready to go as we can typically we're showing up about four hours before a concert so we don't or at least a sound check so we don't have a lot of time we're pretty much always on a time crunch uh so the more that we can do before Mission. we get out the door <laughs> the better sam hit your uh hit your question all right so i've got to ask what do you wish you knew when you first started oh man um, so I wish it, uh, I picked it up kind of quickly, but the, the one thing that I wish was more said or drilled into me earlier was to like pay attention to what's going on around me. Like, uh, whether it's, even if it's not audio. So, um, especially if I'm like new to the industry, paying attention to like, how does this event work? Like who's, who are the important people here? What are they doing? And like, whether it's a concert or a wedding or a meeting, like all of those are still pretty valid questions. Like what's going on and what is, what is probably what the great thing about it is once you do it a bunch and once you've paid attention a bunch, you start to anticipate what's going to happen next. And especially yes. for, for the corporate world, um, you know, that you realize that like, there's only like three different kinds of shows or, you know, like it's all variations <laughs> on a theme of like, you know, opening and some kind of discussion and closing and, you know, uh, you get the hang of it and, but paying attention to 
the key players and what they're doing. And then also the other departments, like what's video doing, what's lighting doing and how do we work together? And, you know, one of the things that was great for me working at IMS is that because we had audio, video and lighting all under the same roof, we're able to really work closely uh, with the other departments, like because their office is right there and be like, Hey, where are you guys going to hang your projectors for this? Like, okay, cool. I'm going to be able to hang audio here. Great. And the discussion's done like then, you know, you're not going back and forth for a while. The other thing for me though, um, kind of bigger picture that no one ever explained to me, uh, but I'm a big uh, proponent of now is, um, and Kyle, I told you we were going to talk about Chris, um, (laughs) (laughs) is to find your champion. Um, and for anyone who has, oh, that's a good segue, that phrase, right? Yeah. Right into that. Um, you know, yeah, find the people that are gonna uh, trust you and push you and give you room to grow and succeed. Um, and what's cool is you know being on this podcast, Signal Noise is a uh, is really embodying this. And uh, Chris might remember I, I wrote him a note uh, when I left last year, and I joked about how I had I got like the early access to the membership pro or the mentorship <laughs> program before it even existed, um, because you know I got to spend that time doing it. So you know finding those people, finding those mentors and champions uh, that help you succeed is something that. Uh, you know, I was luckily enough, lucky enough to catch on to, but it took a little while and I wish someone had told me that before I started or as I was starting. That's awesome. awesome. That's, that's one of my favorite answers. (laughs) Top end. I I have a question before Chris does. Um, so you have to play the same place a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Like if you have to go over to the white house or whatever, where's the place that you're like, Oh, we got to play there again. Uh, we're in the, re- <laughs> we're in the rotunda. So, so, uh, interestingly, like the, the audio team doesn't spend a lot of time in the white house because most of the time, if it's in the white house, it's a group that gets fine without yeah. any amplification. Uh, the one interesting venue that we've played a bunch and I, uh, did a few times last year is, uh, out in, it's a venue called Glen Echo. It's a former amusement park turned into a like regional park out in Maryland. And the concert venue there is an old bumper car pavilion. Yes. Uh, oh. so <laughs> yeah. So Best story ever. And, That's uh, it's, it's let's just say it's acoustically interesting. It sounds like an old bumper car pavilion and uh, you know, it's, it's fine. It it is what it is, but that's one where it's like, Oh, you got to hike all the way out there and go play this gig. And like, and it still kind of smells like that electrical stuff that used to go on in the ceiling. Oh, uh, absolutely. And it it sounds like it too. Like when we do, when we do an outdoor event and you know, we're listening to our recordings from it last year because it's outdoors with like no shell or anything like it's so clean unless a helicopter flies by or something. But uh, when you're in there, like I, I went and I was like trying to Like the president shows up to his band and to see him play. Yeah, it's yeah. like, ah, oh, shit. You know, the helicopter's in the, you know. <laughs> I went and... I challenge anyone else to say that they've done a bumper car place. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely a, uh, a unique venue. <laughs> That's awesome. That is great. <laughs> Um, well, I'll fill in for, for Michael's question. Um, so, you know, you're now in a lo- new location down in DC. You've had a chance to explore food. Uh, where are we coming to eat if we're coming to see you down there? All right. So, uh, 
I I was torn because <laughs> uh, th- this was the one. This was the one that I like prepped for because I, I had to think about it. Uh, and I'm torn because I'm still new to DC and I still haven't been out to everything. And uh, so. But two it, it didn't help that, that you moved during a pandemic either, right? So I moved that, during that, a pandemic. Yeah. And like if I was still living in the Philadelphia area, my number one answer would immediately be uh, go to Reading Terminal Market. Um, yeah. That's that's just easy. You're going to find something cool there. Yeah. Uh, around here, there is I'm in uh, Virginia, just outside D.C. And there's a burger place that I found recently called Holy Cow. <laughs> and it's really Love good. It. Uh, some pretty pretty delicious burgers and, what's your go-to uh, burger yeah. where in virginia is it uh i'm it's in delray which is uh just outside alexandria oh, holy cow what's yeah. your what's, what's your go-to burger oh uh i can't i okay that's all right yes <laughs> all meat right, and wh- cheese on bun add more things to yeah. it good to go well, you you know this question's coming so uh if you could define your legacy or how you'd want to be known how would you define that Sure. Um, so a couple things. One of them is the, you know, the, uh, there's a little bit of that ego part that wants to be a kick-ass engineer who can handle any gig and do some of the coolest shows on the planet. And, you know, that's, it's a very satisfying thing for me to be a part of. I love the adrenaline of doing something, uh, on the big stage. Uh, and that's something that I don't see stopping for me anytime soon. Like I, mm. I want to keep pushing towards more and more of that kind of stuff. Uh, but at the same time, I also feel that it's really important to be a good steward of this industry. Um, and, you know, through the work that I do and things like creating a welcoming environment for the other people that I work with, um, you know, m- encouraging them lifting them up giving them the chance to succeed and sharing the knowledge and the solutions and things that i've picked up along the way uh just advances advances the field like i'm i hate knowledge hoarding uh so much like it's it's unproductive it's damaging it's like discouraging like when you have someone that's you know uh well that's that's mine i'm not going to tell you how that works mm-hmm. that's yeah. my secret Spill it. that's the, that's my Spill secret it. that's keeping me employed Spill it yeah (laughs) and um and it's just not productive and i'm everybody is guilty of it to a degree and i'm definitely guilty of it especially when i'm in a hurry uh like it's really easy to be like uh don't ask questions i i just need just trust me i need this done now you know whatever but uh going back taking the time to share things uh you know or circling back later and saying like hey this is what is going on uh makes people want to keep working with you Mm. and it also makes them feel like they can be successful uh you know because they've learned something and it it wasn't they weren't uh you know they're they're not your waiter they're your partner like they're on the show you know that's really great i really love that like i'm learning more and more as like i get further into this industry that like the best people, the ones who are just like, nope, we don't, we don't gatekeep. Like, I'm going to tell you what it is. And somebody told me, I can't remember who it was. It might've, I don't remember who it was. It, Chris, it might've been you. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> you told me a lot yeah. of things that starts to all run together. <laughs> but that like, if you're relying on that, like one trick to do your job, that's you, you need more in your arsenal. Oh, right? yeah. You, yeah. You need to like, that's it. And when somebody said that, I was like, that's that's it that's the thing 
Yeah. That's awesome. Sweet. Well, Aram, uh, you know, um, again, I'll, I'll re- reiterate it was, you know, it, it was tough to see you go, um, but I am extremely happy for you and what you're getting to do right now. And I wouldn't want to be in front of that. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm, you know, I wish you uh, the best, even though you've been there almost a year now. But you know, <laughs> of 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 what this next journey looks like for you at uh, at the Marine Band and or wherever you know, you know, you didn't see yourself there, right? So who knows what's after this? Although I guess you are listed for a certain period of time. So I think I'm, you have a- four years. That's uh, <laughs> after that. Who knows? But uh, but he's you a know, fucking it's, Marine, it's, dude. Yeah, he's, I'm, I'm, um, minimum of four years. Uh, he's cooler than the rest of us already. I, uh, I I can't thank you enough for what you did <laughs> for, for me and IMS again. So I just I need to keep publicly saying that. So oh, uh, likewise, thank you. I would not be where I am uh, without you guys and that team. Like it was for me, it was also a really you know kind of gut wrenching decision to make, and uh, it's it's hard to leave something that's working for you and that's a really great experience, especially in the middle of a pandemic when everybody is like. You know, you you have this guilt of like, I'm lucky to have a job right now. And here I am pursuing another one. Like, what kind of asshole am I? <laughs> um, you know, but at the end of the day, it's like, hey, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And like, all right, I'm going to go do it and check it out. But, um, you know, I'm part of it is uh, being a part of the community and keeping in touch with you guys and, uh, you know, not feeling like I'm out on an island when I'm down here away from my old support system. So mm-hmm. it definitely means a lot. Yeah, well, and, and you're very active in our Discord, uh, which you know that's that's awesome uh, as well. So, please yeah. go join the Discord so Chris can stop saying it. Just to everyone listening, I'm not going to stop saying it. So it's you know, but yeah. Anyway, all right, cool. Well, I've even been on more. <laughs> yeah, you've you've gotten Kyle to show up. That's right. You actually have two I'm profiles there. too, by the way. I don't know if you know that or not, because I don't know which yeah, one to one's tag. A secret profile. When I do at Kyle Bryan, there's evil Kyle. There's two of them, and I'm not sure which one to actually tag because there's two of you. But whatever. Well, that's I'll why you did it. it. I'll take both huh. next time. Evil That's Kyle. why you did it. Evil so you Kyle. only have a 50% chance of waking him up with just, a notification. Sorry. Just tag both. <laughs> do it twice. <laughs> exactly. So, cool. Well, thank you. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you around. Thank you guys for having me. <laughs>